In today's episode, we'll talk about cover letters. You're sending out submissions. You gotta know what goes with them. Welcome to episode 16 of The Chapbook. I'm your host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to talk about our love of chapbooks, to demystify the publishing process, and share chapbook news and happenings. Ross, it's great to be back in the studio. The studio, such as it is. Now, I, I have to admit, I'm excited to be in, quote, the studio today because I am using a new microphone. I'm hoping I sound amazing. You sound amazing. Like I want to do some ASMR for our listeners, just <laughs> flipping through pages of chapbooks or, you know, my stapler putting staples in <laughs> chapbooks or... What other paper, ASMR paper would cutter. you do? Yeah, the paper, paper cutter. cutter. Paper yes. cutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're on episode 16, which when we started this little idea back in June, you know, we thought we'd do six episodes and see how it was going. And like, it feels like no time has passed. No time at all. It's been really fun. It's been exciting. I've been bowled over by the response that we've been getting both online and by guests who are ready and willing to jump onto an episode. We've been so lucky so far, and we're looking forward to even more. Our guests. Yeah. Unreal. They're so good. Yeah. And so smart. Like It's just a, a wonderful opportunity to sit and have this, uh, this chance to hear people sort of get into the nitty gritty about writing and chapbooks and publishing. I feel really lucky. It's really good when smart people come on because we sound smarter as a result. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's great when smart people come on our dumb podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't call it. We're going to edit out the whole dumb podcast thing, <laughs> listeners, because you obviously don't think it's dumb or would you even be here? Oh, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's submission season. It's submission season. Oh, man. Every journal and a bunch of contests opened on September 1. And listeners, we know why that is, right? I don't know why that is. Tell me. That's because the universities are back in session. So all of the university supported magazines and journals have their staffs back. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So have you been submitting? I actually missed out on submission seasons last year and sent like, I don't know, six submissions the entire fall. I have sent like 25 out. I have a oh bunch God. of new poems ready to go. And I even I may even have like 10 more poems that are shovel ready and I just haven't decided to send them out yet. I got a bunch of stuff in the backlog. What about you? I actually had a like a really, really good poet friend come and stay with us for the last couple of days. And so she and I had one of those afternoons at the dining room table with our laptops facing each other. And we just did a submission sort of go around. So I have a number of them out, not as many as you. But I did get started and that felt really good. That felt really good. I'm going to out that person because I feel like we need to drop names whenever possible. It's Liz All who came to your house. She's amazing. That's right. And you know what? Those literary friendships will sustain you a lifetime. You need that friend who is saying, hey, Noah, it's time for you to send out. Don't be a doofus. Everyone needs to be reading your work. And of course, you know, if you're like me and Noah, I know you are. You're sitting, <laughs> you're sitting at home and you're saying, Nobody wants to see my work. Why would I even bother? And you need your friends to say, get your work out there. 
You're absolutely right. And that's exactly what happened. It's like you were here. So I'm really happy and really grateful. Uh, and big thanks to Liz, if you're listening, for uh, pushing me. Noah, when you sent out those submissions, what does your cover letter say? Uh, cover letters. <laughs> they can be a puzzle, can't they? Uh, so my cover letters are pretty standard. Uh, I like to list the titles of the poems that I'm sending so that they are collected in one place. And I thank the people for their kind consideration of my work. That's that's a quiet cover letter. I use most of the places that I'm uh, submitting work are by way of submittable. So there's also that little biography opportunity, which I already have built into my submittable. So that drops in afterwards. So Noah and I are poets. What we're talking about today is going to apply when you send a story, when you send an essay, when you send a batch of poems to a journal. It's also going to apply when you send in your completed chapbook to a contest or to an open reading period. But this is not necessarily going to apply when you send a query letter to an agent or when you're trying to publish a much longer work. So just be aware that there are different kinds of cover letters. And we're really, weirdly enough, focused on the ones that are useful with chapbooks. So, Ross, tell me about your cover letter. What goes on yours? Uh, you know, you and I are so alike. I use a very vanilla cover letter, especially when I am sending a submission to a journal. It really is, dear editors, if I know them, I address it to them. Sometimes I do a little research and I'm like, well, I know of them. I'll address it to them. Other times it's just, dear editors, thank you so much for taking the time with this submission. Here's the work that I'm sending. If it's simultaneously submitted, I'll mention that. And then, thank you, Ross White. Right beneath it, I include a bio. You include a bio. You use that submittable. Yeah. What's your bio look like, just in general terms? I try to keep it professional. I try to keep it so clean that it sort of says, this is shovel ready to go in the back of the journal that I'm submitting to. And I've probably even looked at the bios in the journal so that I'm sort of calibrated to that. With a chapbook submission, I've sent a slightly longer bio, but still no more than about 125 words. And I keep it tight. I keep it, these are my books. These are my professional affiliations or my professional activities. Here's a few rock star journals I have appeared in. I've just started adding. You can follow him on Twitter, you know, for my vanity. That's probably the least professional thing in there. Yeah, that's pretty much sounds like mine. I think mine's actually too brief now that I listen to yours. <laughs> well, again, I will change that up a little bit based on where I'm submitting because I want to be in line with the kinds of information that they want. And that really speaks to how do you put together a cover letter? You've got to do some research because journals and chapbook presses are constantly giving you very small cues about the kinds of information that they want when they hear from you. I really like your suggestion of checking out the journals existing about the author listings for, as a way of figuring out how to put the bio together in the cover letter. That's something I'm going to take from this conversation. Thanks. Look, cover letters are tricky. And the fact of the matter is we can't speak to what every editor likes. I know that when you're submitting a chapbook, there are editors out there who love to get a cover letter that runs down some of the things that your chapbook is going to talk about. They want to get a sense of the broad themes. They might want to get a sense of a little bit of the story behind how the chapbook got written. They might want to get some of that, some of that flair 
that goes into the marketing of the chat book, but isn't necessarily going to be right at the surface of your chat. On the other hand, I don't care. I mean, honestly, <laughs> as an editor, I want the work to speak for itself. I don't want you to tell me a whole lot about what the work is doing, because if the work doesn't already tell me, like if I can't read your stories and know what your stories are trying to do, your cover letter is not very useful. Yeah. One of the things I heard from Martha Rose at Four Way Books that has stuck with me, she said, I read the work first and then the work that speaks to me, I then go look at the cover letters for those particular items. And I thought, aha. And she even went on to say, you know, I, I like the work. I then go to the cover letter and see, is this a writer I want to begin a relationship with as a publisher? And I really, really loved that. I thought that was really clear. I loved it so much that I stole that strategy for everything that I've done ever since. That is exactly how I work now. No cover letter has ever been so good that it made me want to take a book that wasn't ready. But boy, there have been times where the book seemed ready, but the cover letter sent some cues to me that this was not a writer that I would be comfortable entering into a relationship with. Another thing I'm curious about, I get this question pretty often when I'm resubmitting to a journal where maybe I wasn't picked up the last time, but I got a warm rejection, if you will, something that said, we appreciate that you submitted. We'd like to see more work. I'm always curious, you know, how do I spin the cover letter on submission number two? As an editor, what I always like to see is just a brief acknowledgement that we have been in conversation already. And sometimes it's as simple as, thank you so much for your warm feedback on my last submission. I'm excited to resubmit to you. Other times it details some of what's changed about the manuscript. If I'm seeing a chapbook manuscript again for a second time, it can be really useful to know if the writer has made some structural changes. I have a really sort of interesting question. <laughs> well, I may be interesting is up to you. What don't you put in your cover letter? I think everybody who knows me knows that I am a huge cat person, but I leave my cats out of the cover letter. I do. Uh, yeah, look, okay, I'm being a little bit facetious, but the fact of the matter is I'm trying to let people know that I treat this art with the utmost seriousness and that I'm going to bring a professionalism to the entirety of the process from the moment I submit all the way through to when the book's been out for years and I am still out there letting my readers know about it, giving readings in public, talking up the book. You can send a lot of cues in a very short space with a high degree of professionalism. But I'm interested, Noah, what is it that you feel like you don't put in a cover letter? One of the things I'm careful of is even with journals where I may know in a very tenuous way the editors or one of the editors there, I never assume that's the person that's reading the cover letter. So one of the things I never do is try to address the cover letter to a specific person or be maybe too familiar in the cover letter because I don't know who's uh, the initial reader. And I want to be able to give whoever picks up my submission the, the right information. I want to make the right first impression. I think that's wonderful. But I'm also aware that if you are in conversation with the editor in some way, especially if a specific party has asked to see your manuscript, addressing it to them, again, without being overly familiar, but with the context of the conversation you've already had, 
might help make sure that that submission ends up on the right person's desk. If somebody's waiting for it, but a preliminary reader picks it up, they may not know that somebody's waiting for it until they see that cover letter. One thing that happens sometimes at four-way review, where I am also an editor, is that people will send cover letters, people that I might have met once, people that I don't really know, but they send cover letters that are very specifically addressed to me and do seem awfully chummy. And I always kind of assume that that is so that they can get it into my hands. They think I'll be a sympathetic audience because we've met. And you know what? I try to be a sympathetic audience to every submission. But I have to admit, sometimes when there's a familiarity there that hasn't been earned through a correspondence that's already been started, through a relationship that's already been started, I feel a little uneasy as though, you know, it's like somebody showing up at your dinner table one night and you're like, wait, am I feeding you? Who are you? All right, Noah, any last tips for our listeners about how to write a good cover letter? I will tell you, this is, (laughs) I'm laughing because I've made this mistake and I only catch this mistake after it's too late. Double check your spelling and double check your grammar. <laughs> I I inadvertently misspell things. I'm a too fast copy paster. And sometimes a cover letter ends up looking like this Frankenstein monster. And only when I go through it slowly, specifically to catch myself and my mistakes, do I find them. Otherwise, if I'm moving quickly because I feel self-conscious when I do submissions, uh, sometimes my cover letters go out with a little spelling error in them. And it's really embarrassing. It just seems like the editor would have to be a monster to reject a submission because (laughs) there's just a mild misspelling. And yet you and I know because we are monsters, we know that sometimes editors are monsters. No, you're totally right. I mean, I just don't think one misspelling or one grammatical error will predispose uh, right. an editor towards hating a submission. Right. But if you catch them on the wrong day, if you catch them at the end of like a long shift of grading student work, if they're a professor or, you know, whatever it is, and you just happen to push a button in that moment, you don't get that back. They're going to hit reject. And you'd like to believe that every editor is the best version of themselves every time they read. But we know it's not true because we read all the time as lesser versions of ourselves because we're tired, we're stressed, we've got a lot of manuscripts to read. So be good to your editors, people. Send wonderful professional cover letters. Make sure that your editors, your potential future editors know that you are somebody who's going to come through and take this seriously and treat the process and the art form with respect. Double check your spelling. All right. Just a quick housekeeping note. We will be off next week and we'll return the following Thursday with a new episode. Just know that in the meantime, Noah and I will be thinking about you. And in the meantime, if you like this podcast, and I think you do, why not go ahead and click subscribe or better yet, tell a friend. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other major pod places. We are so close to having 100 subscribers to the podcast, take a moment, click subscribe. We'll love you forever. And if you're so moved, leave a review 
or hit five stars on your podcatcher. You know that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press and also at BullCityPress.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Noah. And you can find me at Ross White, which is something I tell people at the end of my bio. Or you can email us at chatbook at BullCityPress.com. Thanks, everybody. Get out there and submit your work. Yeah, we want to read it. Send, send, send. Woo! <laughs>